Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. And of course, if this is your first time listening or you've just recently started listening to us, thank you so much for choosing this podcast. We are talking today to another in a long line of incredible women on this podcast. We think you're going to be riveted by her story and by her determination to follow her dreams of being a doctor. She's about to begin her six-year medicine course with the RCSI at 40 years of age and she has 12 children aged from 20 down to 19 months. I kind of put it off on one hand because I was busy. On the other hand, it terrified me. Do I regret that I'm older? Yeah. And it's okay to sit with that regret and say, I wish I had done it younger. But now I can't make myself younger. So my only options are do it now or regret it forever. And I would regret it on my deathbed. So I'm doing it now. That was the amazing Rosemary Murphy there and we're going to hear more from her later. First, there was a very good interview in the Irish Times this week by Conor Lally talking to the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris about the recent spate of street crime in Dublin and it was very interesting to see his perspective because he said an even bigger problem that wasn't getting enough attention was domestic violence and he said that he believes assaults happening behind closed doors, domestic violence in all its forms, was a bigger, more complex and pernicious problem. Drew Harris said, we're going to have in the order of 50,000 domestic abuse incidents happening this year. When he reviews a report each day about all the critical incidents Garda have to deal with nationally in the previous 24 hours, domestic attacks feature very frequently. In some cases, women who are brutally beaten, including older women attacked by their grandsons, barely survive and others do not. So I just think that's something worth thinking about because... And it's right that it's getting a lot of attention, all the incidents in especially Dublin city centre. But meanwhile, behind closed doors, there are these other incidents going on. And it was great to see Drew Harris highlight that. Another story from the week, a big shout out to our women in athletics. What a couple of weeks it's been as they've taken part in the World Athletic Championships in Budapest. So we wanted to say congratulations to Kieran McGeehan, who ran an excellent race to take fourth place in the 1,500 metres in Budapest. And of course, amazing, brilliant Tala woman, Rashidat Adelecki. Uh, she qualified for the 400 metres final and this week she came fourth in the world as well. She's just a massively impressive star of Irish athletics and we'll be keeping an eye on her career as she heads to Paris for the Olympics next year. So some congratulations to all the women and the men who did so well at the World Athletic Championships in Budapest. And before we get into the episode fully. I just also want to mention Barbie and the fact that it is officially now the most successful film in Irish box office history. It got in over 8 million uh, quid only in a month after it was released in cinemas and the title has been taken from Avatar which held the number one spot for 14 years and I have to say I have contributed to that box office success having been to see it a total of three times and I'm not quite finished yet. Now, Rosemary Murphy grew up in Delphin's Barn near the Coombe Hospital, dreaming of a career in medicine. But she left school at 16, hoping someday to return to that dream. And she eventually did. This September, at the age of 40, after many years working towards that goal, Rosemary will begin her studies at the Royal College of Surgeons, Ireland. Starting medical training at 40 is big enough, but Rosemary 
also has 12 children with her husband, Stephen. And she is, alongside Katrina O'Sullivan, who wrote that wonderful book, Poor, one of the most brilliant and engaging women we've ever had on this podcast. And I really don't say that lightly. So get yourself a coffee or a tea or whatever you're having yourself. Put on your headphones if you like to listen when you're going for your walk. And enjoy listening to this truly inspiring woman and her story. I began by asking Rosemary how it feels to be on the verge of starting the journey towards becoming a doctor. I absolutely cannot wait. It's a dream come true. And I can't believe it's finally happened after all this time. So I can't get me in. I can't wait to start studying. <laughs> well, tell me how it all happened. Because I read about you in the Irish Times. Deirdre Falvey did an amazing interview with you. And I was like, I need to talk to that woman. Tell me about your story. Because you have 12 children. You're 40. And you've dreamt for a long time of mm -hmm. becoming a doctor. But it's not something, it's not a very usual story because nobody would think that you could do that. But you're not an, a normal, usual person, I think. You're a bit That's different. True. So tell me all about it. So yes, I'm a pr very proud mum to 12 children. And medicine has kind of been a lifelong goal, a lifelong fascination for me. But it was about finding the time to do it, the right time for me to do it. I knew I wouldn't follow a traditional path. I'm not a traditional type of person. I like to be different. I like to be outside the box. So it's something that we talked about and looked at for a long time. I didn't wake up one morning and go, medicine, that sounds like great fun. Let's give it a go. It's something that I've worked towards really all my life. I grew up kind of in a terraced house in a working class area in Dublin A. My You're in the Dolphins Barn? Dolphins Barn, yeah. yeah. The barn, um, as we call it. Maryland, yeah. Right <laughs> opposite, near the Coombe Hospital. So my dad was a porter for the HSC, which was then the Eastern Health Board for over 25 years. My mum was a full-time parent and she went back to work as a cleaner part-time when I went to when I was like school age. So I never, I have no connections to medicine. No one in my media family is a doctor. But it was just always an interest for me, the human body, how it works, what makes things go wrong. And then in death as well, there's a little bit more of it. But what happens to the body after death? I was just fascinated by the whole process and how amazing our bodies are that we can give birth, create new life, like fabulous. And you would watch Casualty and be fascinated yes. by it. <laughs> That's where it all started, probably age six, age six, seven. I'd sit down and start and my mum would tell you to this day, watching casually with all my snacks. So not the usual viewing for like a child, but I loved, I was enthralled by it. And then that led to kind of ER, HBC, all the medical programmes, all the reality stuff, as much as I could get. Then age 13, I went into Easton's and I bought my first medical book, which was in emergency medicine. I just, hang on a second, you're 13. <laughs> 13, I went to the medical student section in Easton's and bought, bought a book. And I brought home, was reading it going, this is what I'm going to do. This is definitely it. And kind of age 14, I was really invested in I was going to study medicine. But then no one... When you said that in Growing Up in Delphin's Barn and not to be stereotypical about it, but I don't think no, there was many people right. in your street or around going, no. I'm going to do medicine. So no. did people laugh or what did people think? No, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, fair enough. Like, we'll see. My dad was a bit... You know, even though we worked in the hospital, they wanted what was best for me. Of course, and like medicine was seen as for the upper and middle classes, and we were like very work class, a very normal background. You know, I think it was considered like maybe I don't want to say it's in a bad way, but above us, if you know what I mean. My dad would have held doctors in very high regard, and maybe he wanted to protect me as well from that world, the high leaving cert points, all that came with it. But you were good in school, right? I love school. I love learning, but I had a difficult time as a teenager. As we do, I was very awkward. I wasn't confident in myself and I wasn't comfortable in the school environment. I loved the learning side of it, but the social side, I felt it didn't fit in mm. where the girls laughing at me. It was a bit paranoia there on my part and I left. Yeah. I left school before I turned 16 because I felt uncomfortable. So it's, did you do the inter? I did the junior cert, yeah. A junior cert, Junior yeah. cert, yeah. Sorry, and I'm still back in that day. That's showing my <laughs> age, you know. <laughs> not at all. No, I did the junior and I said, I'll come back. This is not forever. This is for now until mm. I find myself and I'll come back and I'll pursue. I looked at maybe doing something in English and history because I was interested in those as well. And I thought, no. Don't want to do that. Doesn't doesn't light my fire. Doesn't get me excited the way medicine does. You know, everyone should do the thing that makes their heart beat faster. And for me, that is medicine, and it always has been. So I went to work. I worked various jobs in retail. Actually, I went for my first job interview, and the interviewer said to me, "Says, gosh, you're great. Well, I think you should be in school with all this personality and with this." And I said, "No, I want to work. I want to find my way." So he gave me a job. And I started my career in retail in a jewellery store and I just worked various different jobs. I think retail is a great start for a career in anything because you're dealing with people, you're developing those interpersonal skills and you're finding out how resilient you are. And then I was interested in acting as well. 
So I oh, pursued. Yeah. yeah, well, kind of wanted to be an actress as well. Let's let's go there. Yeah. And I did some courses in performance acting. I did a diploma in speech and drama. Well, nothing really job-wise came from that. So I said, okay, I'm in retail. What else can I do for now? And I looked at being a makeup artist, but then I realised I wasn't great at applying makeup, so that kind of went out the window. And nothing else came for me that was this medicine. So I just worked, I travelled, and I had my first baby at 20. So you're 20, so that's young enough to have your first um, baby. Mm -hmm. Was that a planned situation? Let's just say it wasn't planned, it wasn't unplanned, it was... It was what it was, you know, I, I didn't do anything to prevent a pregnancy. I know, I knew what I was getting into, but I was a single mum for a bit. And I knew from the time I was pregnant that I was going to be a single mum. And I was fine with that. I threw myself into it. I've always wanted to have a family. Always wanted a big family as well. So when so that, did that start, even when you were younger? Oh, yeah. From the time I was five or six, I said, I'm going to have loads of kids when I grow up. And my mum was kind of like, let's just have one and see how you are. <laughs> and then I had one and I loved motherhood. I loved everything about it. Oh, I just doted on my first baby and all the babies to come after that as well. So, yeah, that was my other dream. So my other dream, one was medicine, the other one was the big family girl. And I was a big Celine Dion fan growing up and her mother had 14 children. And I was like, I, I love, know that. Yeah, her mother gave birth to 14 children. And I was like, yeah, I want, I want the four, 12 or 14 to be a lovely number. And now I have 12. So, you know, I got that dream. And now I'm pursuing the other dream. Which is medicine. That's mad. Mm. And um, so you had your first baby at 20 and then you had your second at 22, I think, but with a different, mm. your actual yeah. current partner now. So that first relationship obviously didn't work out. Yeah. So I knew from the time I was pregnant that it I was going to be a single mum. So I just adapted to that, you know, as you do. I worked, I paid for everything myself and, you know, I've nothing bad to say about yeah. her budget. They're, they're lovely people. But I knew her dad wasn't going to, her biological dad wasn't going to be with me. Yeah. He was there. He was her dad, but he wasn't going to be my partner. And then I met my husband when she was almost two. And we had our first baby when I was 23. Okay. And how did you meet him? On the internet. He is probably the greatest purchase I've made on the internet. I know I say it jokingly. <laughs> <laughs> so we met on one of those, you know, like the Maybe Friends website. I actually joined with a friend. And I said, I do it with you. It won't let you be alone. And I ended up meeting my husband. We started off with texting or we, we eat like messages. I don't know, our messages? Yeah, we started yeah. off like that. And I just felt I really got to know him well. And then when we met in person, it just clicked. And he was like, I want a big family. I want a big family. And he's always been so supportive of me and what I want to do. And what does he do? What were his dreams? So he's an electrician and he's worked in that since before I met him. That's why he went into out of school. And his brother's in the same industry. So I assume he enjoys it. But unlike me, he's not into academics. You know, he enjoys hands-on work, he enjoys his job, he loves his family. So he's happy to support me to go down the academic route, but I don't think it would be for him. But you've spent the last, uh, you know, good while mm. raising children, both of yeah, you. Um, that's true. You, you. So tell me, you just kept having them because you just kept enjoying it. And at no point it. you kind of went, no. Jesus, this is a lot of children, I'm going to stop now. No. <laughs> To me, and you're not religious, and that's very important <laughs> yeah. to say. It's not like you were doing it because no. you have some moral um, idea about it. Or the big Catholic family? No, not no. at all. No, yeah, exactly. We have no religious views. I'm, I'm, an, I regard myself as an atheist. We, we raised the kids without religion. It was just I wanted all these kids. I love all these kids, and I really enjoyed it. And the years I was at home, I did truly enjoy them, and I loved being there for them and doing the activity. I, I trained as a Montessori teacher, also when I had my fifth baby before I had my fifth baby and it gave me a great kind of insight into child development. She was amazing, Maria Montessori. Oh, I, I mean, loved, my, my partner actually work. trained as a Montessori teacher so I know all about it. We used amazing. to have all the um, equipment at home and stuff like that. Yeah, I invested in all the equipment yeah. which I would have demonstrated them at home and I just, I loved that time but then the time came that it was time to get back to kind of doing something and it was longer than I thought it would be. When I initially left education I said I'll go back. When did you think you would get back into education? Probably sometime in my late 20s. And I first started looking at medicine before I had, no, after I had my fifth baby. So he's 11 now. So around okay. 11 years ago, I first started looking at it. And I bought the stuff to do the leaving cert. I haven't done the leaving cert. So I bought all the equipment to do the leaving cert. You bought all home. the books? I bought all the books. I registered with one of those um, postal leaving cert places. And I was going to do a leaving cert. Right, this is grand. So I got it on the post. I started looking at it. And then I just kept putting it off. We had more babies. We had a house. No, he was very, Stephen was very busy with work. So we just kind of, 
I kind of put it off on one hand because I was busy. On the other hand, it terrified me. Going back to sit the leave and start in a school. And then the HPAT was another thing. Also, the HPAT is a test that everyone has to take if they want to go into undergraduate medicine. Mm. And that, that I looked at it the first time I said, I'm never going to be able to do that. But you know what? When you actually jump into it, it's not as scary as it seems. But 11 years, since I looked at it 11 years ago and I'm only getting in this year. So that tells you the timeline of the work that has gone in in that time. I would have loved to have done it then, of course. Do I regret that I'm older? Yeah. And it's okay to sit with that regret and say, I wish I had done it younger. But now I can't make myself younger. So my only options are do it now or regret it forever. And I would regret it on my deathbed. So I'm doing it now. Oh, God, you're just amazing. So, so talk to me, 11 years ago, it starts. And then mm. it's a long road, you know. Um, and tell me a bit about like how that all went along, what you did. What so were the I was steps? doing the bit of study and having my babies. And then in 2019, I found the UCD access course. And I looked at it and said, this is the way of getting to medicine without the leaving cert. Brilliant. <laughs> like, so I enrolled on that course and I was pregnant at the time. No surprise there. <sighs> and I enrolled on the course in September and Abrianna was born in October. So it was very hectic, very busy. But I was on the path to medicine. So that was great. But it didn't work out. I sat my HPAT and I didn't get enough. So medicine was out. But because was, it's really hard. It's really hard. That yeah. And the thing with the HPAT is it's not an aptitude test. It's right. a skill. It's something you get better at with time. And I've proved that I've gotten better each and every time I've done it. So for people listening, if you want to do medicine, get your HPO, start practicing it because it is, it's something you will improve on with time. So the first time I walked in blind, I hadn't got a clue. I was like, I don't want to give it a go. Didn't get it. Okay, that's fine. I'm still going to get medicine. And if this was in my head, I'm still going to do medicine. So the second year, again, came, sat the HPA. I was about three points off what I needed. So I came very close, but not quite there. Yeah. I thought, okay, fair enough. Now I looked at midwifery as well. And I seriously considered it. I had it on my CAO a few times, but I just felt, you know, yes, I would probably love it. And I would probably go on to do graduate entry medicine, but I want to stick with applying to undergraduate medicine. There was just something pulling me towards. I can't explain. I just knew that was the right. So the third year came and I had just had my baby by C-section in January and HPAT is in late February. So I said, okay, look, I haven't done much practice this year, but I'm going to go in and give my best. I'm going to enjoy the experience of sitting the live HPA. And I didn't have any expectations whatsoever. So the results come out and I got enough. So I was invited by RCSI to submit my documents. So your documents are like your CV, your personal statement, all that kind of thing. I had nothing ready. So I was kind of scrambling to get my personal statement, to get my CV, to get all that done and typed up. And I submitted the documents, they were gone. And I felt, I'm really close, finally. I can almost touch it, but not quite yet. And it came back that I didn't get an interview. Okay. Yeah. So I That said, must have been devastating after was, all that. It was, the disappointment was epic. But you know what, I sat with it and I let it be. And I was disappointed, I was upset. Where did you get your philos- philosophical approach there? You're very <laughs> good at sitting with things. I just like processing things and how I process things. Or like I'd go off and listen to my music or I'd just look and say, look, look at all of it. I have all these beautiful babies. I've done my access course while pregnant. I've done my HPAT. By the way, did we birth. miss a very important bit about your access course? Did you have a baby and then do an exam yeah. very quick? So tell me about yeah. that. So, yeah, she was, born in the o- she was born in the October. And who, which baby is this Abriana, now? So okay, she'll Brianna, so she'll be four in October. So, yeah, she was born and I had a lab. I'd missed the lab because I was very pregnant and thought I might go into labour. So I was like, Brett, not go to the lab today. So there was a makeup. Yeah, you need to go to labour, not lab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So there was a makeup lab. The Friday after she was born, she was born on a Wednesday. And what's a makeup lab? So, because I'd missed the first lab, okay. they were offering a second chance to do the lab to get your results. Right. But I was very focused. I wanted to get my A in the sciences to go to medicine. So I said, you know what? I want to do the lab. So myself and Stephen, baby in the car. So you're coming from the hospital, from the hospital having we, just had a yeah, we had parked, Brianna. I just had had Brianna and we parked in UCD. Stephen held her. I went in, did my lab. And then came back out and left. And I was trying, at this time, I was trying to get breastfeeding going. And I was saying, don't give her the formula now. If you have to give her a little bit, like, just put it in, like, feed it to her, like, without the tea at the bottle so she doesn't get used. I was just all over the place. But it was great. I was so happy that I was getting to do both. How did you do in that exam? I got an, I got my A in the sciences, yeah. I got my overall A. Oh, so, I swear so to I God. So I have, so say for my chemistry, I would have had all, like, 98%. So even with having a baby. But, like, that's... I'm not glorifying not taking your maternity leave and doing an exam. People should take their maternity leave. It was just what I wanted to do. And I think there's an element there. If it's what you want to do, then that's okay. Rosemary, you're talking about getting 98s and A's and all this. All right, can I just ask, so you obviously are a super smart academic brain. I mean, this is not something that 
I know you've worked very hard and study a lot and all of that, but my, parenting with your partner, all those children, and then studying and getting and these really top results. So you're just naturally really, what's what's the story? I do have a natural ability to kind of pick up material, but if it's material I'm interested in, like maths is not my thing. So I wouldn't have had those scores in maths. I would have had them in the sciences because I'm very interested in science. But maths has just never been my thing. I think everyone has a thing they're good at. And for me, it's like English. I'm a very natural writer. English, the sciences. And because it's what I want to do, I push myself to study. Not push myself, but I want to be studying. So I'm motivated. That's where I'm But how do you have time to be studying when you've got all those children? You make the time. If it's important, you make the time. Do you get up very early? Did you? I love my sleep. I love my morning (laughs) sleep. Now, I have to be honest, but I'm a very, I'm a night elf. So when the kids are asleep, I'd be sitting there on my laptop or on my phone and my books open. I'd be kind of having a bit of study time. Or I'd kind of, it's about being effective with your study, like doing your flashcards, find what works for you. Or not the Kahoot quizzes. I find they're a great way of learning. So it's just find what works for you. Now, you might, I might come back when I've been in medicine and tell you how I'm getting on with <laughs> yeah, that. Because that's definitely you'll be coming back. But look, I interrupted you because you were going off and you'd you sent all your stuff to the RCSI. Yeah, and and hand that devastation of them saying no, yeah. actually. No what did you think? Did you think that was the end of the road there then? No, no, no. It actually pushed me. I said, this is the closest I've ever got. Yeah, I haven't got it, but I'm closer than I've ever been. So I actually approached our CSI and I said, what are you looking for? You tell me what you want and I will do everything on that list because I want this place. So they came back and said a lot of applicants had degrees already or if they didn't have a degree, they had relevant clinical experience. So like um, there were HCAs, healthcare assistants or EMTs or something like that. I said, OK, cool. So I went off and I went to the Liberties and I enrolled in a healthcare assistant course. I also did first day training. Now, it sounds like a lot, but I did this over a period of time. I did first day training. I did my cardiac first response training. I did an EMT course. Then I went to the Liberties and I did my tra- my healthcare assistant training there. Loved it. Loved being in the hospital environment, getting to talk to the doctors. And I'd say, oh, hey, look, I'm interested in medicine. And they were all so supportive. And I got to see what medicine was like from that side as well. And actually, it made me want to do it more. And it made me more sure that I didn't want to do nursing or midwifery, which are amazing careers. But I felt medicine was where my interest lies. So it pushed me on even more. So I was doing my healthcare assistant course, being a family carer. And then my HPAT as well. So it was great fun. But do you know what? When I was over, I didn't know what to be doing myself because I would so used to balancing everything with the kids. And now I'm just back to, the kids are probably sick looking at me now. It's like, why is she always here? When is she getting back out? But you know what? What I do when I'm with the kids is I make sure it's value time. So they have me and I'm there present with them. Do you know what I mean? So I'm actually making use of the time we do have. So people would say, but you're going to medicine, you're taking all this time away. Well, the time I am home, we'll be doing things. I'll be one-on-one with them. I'll be, you know, we'll be making memories, having fun. So I think they're going to benefit from having a mum who's happy. Ah, I think so. Who's Definitely. fulfilling her dreams. So, so take, then, then you did all that and then you applied again. You sent them all your stuff again sent, with these extra yeah. bits. So I got my HPAT the tour of time and I said, Really, really threw everything into the personal statement and I made it very personal. So I included... Had you like, not done that the first time? No. It's interesting I that you didn't. I thought you would have totally gone, look at me, I'm like... No, <laughs> and that's the thing. That's something I have to... I'm very kind of modest. Like, I'm very like, I don't go, oh, look at me, I've done all these things. I'm a great candidate. I was actually very professional the first time. I didn't include that personally. It was all like, oh, I think medicine is great, blah, 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 because but it was a little bit probably generic. Then the second time, I wanted to make it my writing. So I wrote about my experience in the hospital and about supporting a patient. And I wrote about something very personal. I wrote about a pregnancy loss I'd had. And I had shared how that kind of eliminated any fear I had of people laughing at me, of colleges laughing at me. Because Tell me about that. So you lost one of your children in yeah, 2016, so was it? it yeah, Jesse in 2016. So I had a late miscarriage, which I don't think miscarriage is justice for it because, like, you know, I gave birth. He was, a, he was formed. He was perfect and small and beautiful. And I decided to include him because he was a big turning point. For me, I used to be afraid colleges would laugh at me or that people I valued the opinion of would say, medicine, that's ridiculous, you're too old for that or whatever. But when I had Jesse and when the day we buried him, we stood on that grave and I said, this is the worst day of my life. It never gets worse than this. So no matter how much people laugh at me, no matter how many times I hear no, it will never be worse than this. So he inspired me, he pushed me on even further. So he had to be part of that personal statement. And I kind of cheated. I made it a bit longer. They kind of say two pages, double space for personal statement. I kind of went a little bit over, but it was worth it because I showed them all sides of me. I showed them the mum, I showed them the, the academic and I showed them the personal side of me and what has inspired me and motivated me. And I think, I think it paid off. So Jesse did that for you. Yeah, absolutely. He's such he's such an important part of our life and of our journey. So I think it was right to include him. 
And I'm presuming at this point when they got that statement and all the other things that you'd done, they were like, come, come in here, Rosemary, so I got we want my interview. you. <laughs> yeah, I got my interview finally. And the first thing when I went in, he said to me, hands up, I loved your personal statement. It was so personal, it couldn't, been, it couldn't have been written by anyone else. And that's what I was going for. And I said, yeah. So I went on, my, I got to speak about my passion for medicine. I loved my interview. I was very nervous, like very, I'm not, a, I don't think I'm a great speaker. So I was very nervous going in. But I wanted to show them that I was going to be a good candidate for CSI. You know what, they're just people. You're just having a conversation. So I kind of established that rapport with them. And I actually really enjoyed it. But I left it thinking, I didn't even show half my knowledge. I know so much about RCSI that I could have spoken about. And I didn't even show half of it. But didn't matter, I showed enough. <laughs> I probably wouldn't been there all day with them. But so, yeah, I went off after my interview. And you know what, you can't dissect it. Someone said to me, no postmortem. It's done now. You've done your best. So I went off and the wait, oh my God, the wait is so long. It feels like forever. It's about a week, but it feels like <laughs> forever. And you're waiting for the email, waiting for the email. And then finally the email comes. And all you see in the head is RCSI. So of course me opening it, I see none. I was like, well, I could see there was an attachment on it. And I was like, that has to be good, right? So actually I walked away from the laptop and I said, walk out of Steve and then walk back. And I kind of had a little peek at it. And it was a full offer for their six-year program. I have to, I can't run in towards how grateful I am that they seen something in me that they gave me this chance. Because it is like they're taking a chance on me. Like I'm not your traditional medical student. But that's also what's great about it. Diversity is so important in medicine particularly. And for people to see, here's someone who's older, who has a family and who is doing medicine. If I can do it, anyone can. There's nothing special about me. I'm just someone who's very determined and very motivated and refuses to give up. Like you could tell me no 20 times and I'll still go back. That's, <laughs> if I want something, I'll just keep going for it. When did that um, offer come? It was the 30th of May and it was the day this year. This year yeah, so it was the day before my graduation from Liberty's College. So I had my offer the 30th, had my graduation the 31st and got to, you know, go up and graduate with my healthcare assistance qualification. So it was very apt. It felt very, felt like everything had fallen into place. And yeah, I'm just thrilled. I can't, I still like, part of me still can't believe that I'm going to walk through them doors on the 20th of September. Like me, a medical student, oh, amazing. I can't. So can't it's up, it's on uh, Stevens Green. It's on Stevens Green. Yeah, they have a building on York Street. Amazing campus. They put so much into developing the campus. RCSI has always been my first choice. Can I tell you quickly about when I fell in love with RCSI? Yeah. So I attended an open day in 2019. And I went in and I just, I felt at home there. I felt it didn't matter that I was older. It didn't matter, you know, that I had a different background to most people. I just felt at home there. I loved the vibe. It was a real family vibe from the college. It was so personal. And like people would know your name. Like you went to the library, people would go, oh, that's Rosemary. You know, that kind of vibe. And the, the stimulate, simulation facilities were just amazing. I just said, I want our CSI. And someday I'll walk back through the doors as a student. And now it's actually going to happen. I think I'm going to find it very emotional actually before I stay to go in. I think you will. And do you know what's great about the RCSI as well? Um, they used to only have portraits of the, all these men everywhere. Yes. And they did this amazing project a few years ago where all, all these the women. brilliant women that passed through those doors mm. are now immortalised um, in beautiful paintings in, in one And the president is a female, the vice president yeah. is female. Isn't that wonderful yeah. to see? Like, for so long, medicine was the domain of men. It's great to see women kind of up and coming and, and older women like myself, like with children. I think it's so inspiring for my daughters to know they can be whatever they want to be. And actually, my eight-year-old, my nearly eight-year-old, she said the other night, maybe I can be a doctor and treat patients or be, be involved in patient care. Very, like, big words for nearly so they listen to everything <laughs> so you have to be so careful you're not talking yourself down that, and that you're showing them that they can do whatever they can be whatever they want to be if they yeah. want to be actors if they want to be doctors lawyers whatever so give me all their names from I think is it 21 or 20 20 down, down to, to near 19 months yeah so you have a 19 month old and yeah. you're going to start medicine okay tell me all their names so Caitlin Ashton Jaden Kai Finn Cody, Skylar, Lara, Brittany, Maeve, Abriana, Dion. And then like people see all these and kids. And is Dion after Celine? After, after, Abri after Abriana. Oh, Celine Dion, yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah, actually. You didn't realise. I didn't realise. You see, no. you love her so much you called yeah. one of your kids I after I just I fell in love with I'm glad I can so tell I you like, that. Yeah. I'm being Freudian I here. I think, it was, I think it was a psychological <laughs> thing as well. But no, I just, I'm so lucky to have all these kids. But it's always people to look and say, oh, you've always had easier not at all. Like, we've had such challenging times in our parent journey. Like, we've had pregnancy losses. Just because you see me with all these kids doesn't mean I haven't experienced some level of infertility, not to the level of a lot of people. And I am very blessed. But I say it's important to acknowledge that I have had pregnancy losses. I've had an ectopic pregnancy. I've had a miscarriage. I've had my late miscarriage with Jesse, and I've had a chemical pregnancy. 
So although I'm very lucky, I have experienced the hard times as well. And like, I don't think anyone knows what another person is really going through. Mm. And that's what being a big family parent has really taught me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Tell me about the response to we'll talk about you becoming a doctor at, you know, starting that journey at 40, which is what you're going to be doing, about having lots of children because, you know, you mentioned you're not religious, but you just wanted a big family. But are some people, if they find it hard to get their head around why you would have that many children and do they say things and are rude? So you'd have, why would anyone want that many children? Well, because I love them. And then you have the ones that I think just are... Just not fair game. They would comment on the state of your body. Oh my God, your body must be in such a state after having all them babies or, you know, like hinting. I have to put it nicely because obviously we're... No, you podcast. can say anything on this podcast because we're 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 all about... We had a whole podcast about the clitoris a few weeks oh, that's ago. that's amazing, isn't So, you know, this is very much the place to be very open. So yeah, tell us exactly what they meant when they were saying so the state would, of your body. So they would say, oh, your vagina must be torn to bits, that kind of, your poor husband and all this and... Or, you know, so, assuming that he wouldn't be able to enjoy having sex with you yeah, because your vagina is too, your your vulva, or it's your like throwing are. a sausage into a tunnel and this kind of thing. And like you have to, <laughs> sorry, I touch. Like this, people are so weird. It's so strange. <laughs> they are so strange. Like why are they so obsessed with like what other people are doing? Like, or like the other side is, oh, you must be on just so, they must do it for the social welfare. Why would anyone have kids to get money? <laughs> to get a tiny bit of money? No, no, you have kids because you love them because that's what you want to do. And then you'd have the side, oh, they must the older kids must be acting as parents no you'd be hard pushed now to get they're wonderful I'm so proud but you'd be hard pushed to get them to clean their own room never mind act as parents <laughs> no none of mine change nappies none of mine do like we're the parents we take on the parenting role between the two of us like I'm sure it does happen in some families what also happens in smaller families with big families there comes like all these kind of assumptions oh this must be happening that must be happening and then when you say when you have kids with additional needs or you have like tough times well you chose that right well it must be because you're a big family right no not necessarily so you don't no. get the kind of empathy or that yeah, kind of exactly. thing that other people might or you go I'm very tired and go well you chose to have all them kids <laughs> or it'd be the same with medicine like oh well you chose to study medicine that's your own fault you know so you kind of you're very guarded yeah. You're very careful what you say. Mm. Like for when I had my sixth baby, I was so like not paranoid, but if people ask me, I would say, Why are they asking me that? Do you think I can't do it? But now I'm much more open. Like if people want to talk to me and actually learn about us and learn about what we do, that's fine. I'll talk to them. If they want to make assumptions and judge me, leave them to it. Nothing I can do about that. They're gonna think what they like anyway. Mm. So everyone has something to say about something, don't they? They yeah. always, no matter what you do in life, you can't please everyone. Like you could lie down to please people and they'd say you're not flat enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's how and it is. You had a three-bedroomed house in Lucan and now you've expanded it we've to be extended. a six-bedroom house. Yeah, and we've, so. we've built on a big kitchen. So we have like a playroom, we have Great. a sitting room, we have a kitchen, we have an attic conversion, we have a bedroom down on the ground floor. So yeah, like it's, it was always done with the mind that we were going to have more children. Mm. So... Yeah, we make it work. You just have to make it work. Like sometimes there is stuff everywhere. And like yeah. my room there's like a bomb has gone off in it. But like that's how it is. You just kind of, you have to be a bit relaxed. You prioritize things. You prioritize like is something things, really yeah. important or not important. Yeah. So for me, the priority is time with the kids and then time to do little pieces I'm doing. Like study might be one of them or like cook, might be cooking a meal that day. It just depends on the day and what's the priority. But the kids are always... First. And can I ask you about your children in school and education? Mm-hmm. Has that always been very important to you? Yeah, what's important What's important to me is that they can know they can do anything. Not that I want to push them into getting or to do your leaving cert or to do your like a degree or whatever. If they don't want to do that, that's fine. You know, I left. 
and I went back. So, like, there's always more than one way to get to where you want to be. So they might leave school after leaving cert and say, oh, look, I don't want university, I want to work, I want to pursue, like, the acting profession or whatever. And that's fine. We'll support whatever they want to do. It's really important for me to know that, they, they offer, for them to know the opportunity is there for them and that we will support whatever they want to do. But not that I'm saying, oh, you have to do medicine or you have to do mm-hmm. law. No, there's none of that. And what about the older ones? Are they showing any big interests at this point? No, would you believe they're not really into school. They're more into their sports and into the arts, which is great. Which we, I'm not a sporty person. I wish I was. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm more academic than sporty, whereas my, my older kids would be more kind of sporty. Maybe that eight-year-old one is yeah. more the actually, one like 11 you. Actually, <laughs> my 11-year-old, which... When I started the journey, he's actually saying he's interested in medicine and he has joined the Order of Malta as a cadet. Oh so he's goodness. loving that as well. So he might go into medicine. That's Who brilliant. knows? Now talk to me about what's going on. September 20th, you're going to walk in there yes. with all your new books yeah. and your pencils and your sharpeners and all that stuff. And uh, My Barbie it, pencil case. Oh, yes. <laughs> I went. Uh, listen, Rosemary, I went to see it for the third time the other night. So I'm absolutely, it's ridiculous. I have to stop now because, you know. But I loved it. Did you love it? I haven't seen you. Ah, uh, no. no. Rosemary, actually, maybe I should go for four time with you and yeah, bring absolutely. you with your Barbie pencil case. I love, I love Barbie growing up, so I have my Barbie pencil <laughs> oh, case. Oh, well, then you're going to be so into this film. You have to go I have see to go it. See but you it. don't have time on, to do it's anything. On, it's on the books, like, when we get around to it. <laughs> okay. And I'd love to go with you. Anyway, um, you're going in, and it's six years. Six I mean, years, yeah. It's, that's a long... It's a long slog and like we won't talk about how old we're going to come out at the end. And that's one thing about this process. Now, I used to always knock a few years off my age here and there. Because like, why not? I know I can't do that anymore so I have to be honest with people. I know, but look, look, I know I'm going to be probably the oldest there. I'm not the oldest I've ever done medicine. Like there's people in their 50s do medicine in RCSI. But I might be the oldest this year and that's totally fine. I can really appreciate how, how I've evolved as a person. Like, 16-year-old me was really self-conscious in school. Like, now I'm happy to walk in. I'll sit at my desk and do my own thing because I'm there for me. I'll give answers in class, no problem doing that. I really, I think I found my confidence only the last few years, really. So I can really, people say, oh, will you leave medicine if you're not comfortable? No, because I don't care anymore. I'm there for my journey to do my thing. If I make friends, that would be great. If I don't, that's fine. I'm still there to do my studies. Do you know what? I think you're going to be amazing for the other people on the course as well. Because, like, so you're going to be in uh, the gynecology bits and the various things. And (laughs) here are you having been through so many pregnancies, knowing it intimately in a way that those, you know, (laughs) 20-year-olds can't know. give them that other insight and say, well, this is what your patient might be thinking. Or like, like, don't say this. Or... (laughs) Or Maybe like, helping mm. them with their bedside manner around all of that, definitely. Yeah, I think like mature students bring so much to the classroom, so much in terms of like being with the younger students and support. And so there's a lot of people that come from like America, Canada, countries all over the world to study and they're coming to Dublin for the first time. Like hopefully I can make them feel more welcome and help them settle in. But I think having a mature student with life experience who can say, this is my experience of C-section, of vaginal birth, of everything, like will just be such an asset. It's like yeah. they, I can learn from them, they can learn from me and we'll support each other on the journey. Six years, it's, it's a long time. Now there is a five-year course as well, but I'm doing the six year purely because I don't have a leaving cert and I don't have a degree already so they like the extra fa- it's a foundation year where you get a really good base in the sciences mm. so I think that will really stand to me so I think I'd love to do the five year don't get me wrong but I think the extra year will really stand to me and is it expensive? well I qualify for the free EU fees and then if you get a Susie grant as well it's free Okay. well if not if you don't get the full Susie grant it's four grand a year Right. so really do free fees exist in Ireland that's up for it's up for a debate. So at the moment, like, I'm waiting to see if I'm going to get sued, if I'm going to get something towards Susie. If I don't, I'll be paying the fees. I've already paid my deposit, so they can't throw me out now. <laughs> they have to have me. And talking about goals, because I think you are a very goal-oriented person. I mean, mm-hmm. you had that since you were very young in your mind. And look at you. I mean, it's a little bit later than you thought it would be. Yeah. What do you want to do after this um, six years? Well, my first goal is to walk across the stage and graduate as a doctor, as with my medical degree, I should say. And my second goal is to work in medicine for as long as I can until they throw me out. Now, I would love to pursue specialty training after I graduate, but if that doesn't happen, I will still have reached my goal of getting my medical degree. And there will be a job for me as a doctor, let's be honest. Like, there's, there, there are jobs for doctors. It's not going to be like I've nothing to do after six years, I'm going to be sitting at home with a medical degree on the wall. Although that'd be fine as well, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, no, I hope to pursue specialty training. And what, what I want to do now might be different than what I want to do in six years. At the moment, I'm hugely, hugely interested in, surprise, surprise, obstetrics and gynaecology. I love obstetrics and gynaecology. Like, 
So when I come to interview, remember me down the line. <laughs> no, I just, I love it because I just love the variety, the mix of medicine and surgery and getting to interact and support women at all stages of their life. I just think it's an amazing, magical specialty. And that's what I think at the moment. I'd love, if they'd have me, maybe they won't want to know one now when I get there. But sure, we'll wait and see how it goes. Well, they'd be stupid so if they didn't. At the me. moment, that would be my ultimate goal, to go into obstetrics and gynecology. Right. I know people would say to me, like, is it worth your while at your age to do medicine? Are you going to ever become a consultant? Consultant seen as the be-all and end-all. But actually, it's not about consultancy. It's about the journey. I will enjoy each and every step of my journey, from being a medical student to being an intern to being a doctor to hopefully specialty trained. I'm going to enjoy every step along the way. And that's what it's about. It's about your journey. I want to work for as long as I can. I want to work here in Ireland. This is my home. And if I don't make a consultant, that's absolutely fine with me. My goal is to get my degree and to work. And if I've done that, then I'm happy. And, you know, behind every great woman, there's a man sometimes. Mm. And you have a great man. Tell me about Stephen and how he has supported you in this because it's not something that maybe every man would would no, want to do no he's ama- he's amazing like he's so hands on with the kids and I hate this business of who's minding your kids they have a father too like it's not childcare is not just my responsibility it's dad's responsibility too and we share that very very equally but he'd always support me if there's something I want to do he'd say you know go for it. or do you need to go and study now do you need to go and do this and I'll take the kids out to the park or I'll do whatever. But if I'm nervous or I don't want to do something, you always push me and say, go for it, you'll be great once you do it. And even if you make a few mistakes, so what? Like, you're brilliant at what, what you do. So he's always that encouraging person, the person that pushes me on and that helps me to meet those goals because you need to have a supportive person in your life. And I know no matter what, no matter how hard it gets, even if I feel like, I won't ever feel like giving up, but even if it does come to that, I know he'll push me and say, no, you're going to go for it. Now you'll regret it if you don't go for it. And he's that person And he said to you, before you had that article with the uh, with Deirdre Falvey, he said, now you're going to be famous. 12 children and doing medicine. He says to me, right, when you graduate, they're going to want to do interviews with you in the newspaper. And like, you're going to be famous when you graduate. <laughs> and I was like, are you interested in me? And well, actually, it's come a lot sooner. And quite a lot of people, it turns out, are interested in me. And it's so funny when people say, oh, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, well, no problem. I'm not a great speaker, but sure, I'll do. Will you stop saying that about yourself because you're a brilliant speaker? Yeah, that's, Sorry, that's like I'm just like loving talking say, to you. That's like what I was saying to you. I, I, you can be so kind of pessimistic about yourself. And someone said to me, like, you haven't been given a gift. You worked hard for what you have. And just, you know, you've earned everything you have. And that's so important. And I think having that confidence to say, like they said to me going to interview, you know, you just have to sell yourself. Show them what you have, what you have to offer. You can't be like, well, I'm not great, but like, look. No. So you have to have the confidence. And that confidence does come sometimes. Then sometimes I'm like, I'm not great at this. I'm not great at that. But, you know, aren't we all like that? And what about your family? How many siblings did you have? I'm an only child. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we should have got to that much earlier. I actually should have said that. Yeah, so I grew up as an only child <laughs> saying she wanted to have loads of kids. And then I have, like, I've, like relatives have children. Like my cousins would have one has five, one has eight. And they're older than me, so their kids would have been kind of growing up when I was little. And I was like, this is great. Chaos, brilliant. Like, I want this is what I want to do. And when I had my first baby, I was like, I want loads. I want to keep having babies. Like, we have had tough times. We have faced challenges. Of course we have. But I still want to have my big family. I don't regret having a big mm. family. I love it so much. And what about your mum and dad? Are they still around? So my mum lives in Wexford with her sister, who they're both bereaved. My dad died in 2009. Okay, so in, in January 2009, he passed away from prostate cancer. And in February 2009, I was born so he just missed out by meeting him by a month but my dad said his goal in life was to walk me down the aisle when I got married that was his goal and he did it he was diagnosed with cancer just before about six months before the wedding and he says when that happens to me the wedding has to go ahead no matter what the wedding goes ahead like she asked him, he loves Steve and he's mad about him my dad was always very proud of me so we said yeah no matter what happens but he got to walk me down the aisle mm. and he was so proud of the wedding and his face just lit up and he said to me in the bathroom the morning of the wedding he's like I made it I did and he lasted for another few months after that and then he died just before Kai was born yeah Wow. But yeah, he's amazing. It's man. great that he got his goal of, of walking you down exactly. the aisle. And your mom then in Wexford, what does she think of all of this? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what people in my family actually make of me because I'm quite, I'm quite uh, out there. I'm quite different. I have no problem saying what I think or my opinions, you know. And yeah, she's delighted. Now she's a bit kind of what does I, I say? To her, I'm going to study medicine, and she's like, medicine? What's that? And then she knew I was working in a maternity hospital. I wasn't working there. I was on my placement outside my liberties course. And she said, Oh, you're going to be a midwife. And so she said to my cousin when we're meeting up, oh, she's going to be a midwife. My cousin, are you going to be a midwife? And I'm like, no, medicine, like as a doctor. And then my mum says to me, and how old will you be when you finish that? 
I was like, you give birth to me, you know how old I am? <laughs> so I think she, no, my mom is hugely proud of me. And she actually said to me, I'm really proud of all, all you've achieved and all you continue to do with the kids. And she was, anyone that's ever met the kids, they say how wonderful they are, what a credit to me they are. And that means so much when people say to you, look, the kids are so well behaved or they're so, you know, they're so polite or they have, yeah, that just means so much to they're, me. They're incredible. Um, tell me about holidays. I'm fascinated by this. Like, do <laughs> People you, love holidays. So do people yeah. love asking about Well, it's, I'm sorry, you're probably bored people asking you no, that, but I'm just kind of intrigued because I'm sure you have great holidays and have brilliant times away with your family. We actually don't go away. <laughs> Would you believe? No, okay. we actually haven't done a foreign holiday. In, I don't even. I think before I travelled quite a bit before I had kids. So I did the America, Canada, Europe, that kind of thing. When I was working in retail, it's kind of I'm very much a homebody. Now, someday we do plan to take the kids to Disneyland. But at the moment, it's just chaotic. Like, and do they moan about that or give out about it? No. They all want to do their own thing. They want to be hanging out with their friends. Or, but we try to make it very fun for them. So, like, when we were at home, we might do TP parties. We do movie nights. We'll do games. We have lo- just lo- we're, we're in Ireland. There's loads of places to go. Loads of lovely days out. Loads of lovely beaches. Loads of lovely parks. You don't need to go away and have and spend money to have a good time. When I meant to when I said memories. you have good holidays, I didn't necessarily mean getting on a plane <laughs> and going <laughs> somewhere. I no, I didn't. I oh, actually you mean meant like, like Halloween? Or? Do, you, or hol- do you go on a ho- summer holiday? Not really. Okay. No. So we stay at home for most. We might go on drives or go on day trips. But we, like, like anyone, we prioritise what we want to do. And if there's something the kids want to do, we will do it. If they come to me, I never went on holidays when I was a child. So maybe that stems from that as well. Definitely I probably does. You don't have that expectation. So you didn't kind of. But no, we on. hope to now in the next few years. But as well, like, although I'm not, I don't speak on it too much because they're entitled to privacy. Yeah. We also have kids with additional needs. Okay. So it's kind of difficult for them to disrupt their routine. And yeah. Like, like one of our girls makes strange with new places and new right. people. So it's fine the time for her when it's yeah. going to be a good time to holiday, to go on a plane or to go, even go down the country. Mm. It's so hugely expensive in Ireland now. Absolutely. And like, are you really holidaying? You're just parenting in a different place. So why not like live in your house and like go for your days out or go to Wexford, <laughs> go to like Kerry or... You're so or right, just parenting in we a different see, place. So I figure I like... It. Like we've probably like Dion. Let's Dion is more than likely, probably, almost definitely. I'm not saying definitely, but my, probably my last baby. So I was going to ask you honestly. Yeah, so probably. You- I would never ever say never because. We never know what's around the corner for us. But, oh God, my obstetrician might listen to actually, so I better say no. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, no, Dion is my last baby, probably, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, he, when he's going to be grown up now, they're all getting that bit older. So, the time will come when we're going to be able to travel and we're going to be able to yeah. do more. And they have, none of them have ever mentioned it to me. None of them have ever said I it to me. I think that's amazing. But, you yeah. know, that is testament to you, obviously, being brilliant and making sure they have a great enough time. Because I get plagued about if we don't go away. On they're a, probably you know, used to us. We, yeah, I, like I, their I friends. Not used to it. And yeah. we do, like, big birthday parties. <clears throat> that's our thing. Like, I love doing the birthday parties. And people say, how much are you spending on that? business that's why our money was what we were like and we don't do the communion the confirmation so the birthday parties the Halloween or thing or people always say to me you must love Christmas my face no Christmas is not my thing like (laughs) I'll be very honest obviously we do we do big Christmas we do the decorations we do all the, the tree, things, all the tree and, and all that turkey and ham but no Halloween is my thing Halloween is, is when I shine <laughs> yeah I love my Halloween so when people say do you like Christmas they'll be like hmm, let's talk about Halloween shall we okay. I'm like no itching to get the decorations out where everyone has their thing like that and but for we, birthdays what you do that's like you just go all out we do up our parties at home but it do, must be once every bloody two yeah. weeks as a birthday the kids get well the kids largely get to choose what they want to do some will say don't waste money on a party we okay. want to go on a shopping experience right. Or we want to go on a meal out or like the girls, my little girls loved our big parties with their balloons and the cake and we get like chocolate fountain, candy floss machines, slush puppies, bouncy castles, the whole nine yards. Like I love the day, and then I get carried away and I go, oh, we'll just add this thing. And then there's loads of stuff in the house in the morning like oh, all these kids <laughs> running around. But like if they're very smart, they say, oh, I want the shopping experience and a meal out and then I'll have a party after. That's yeah. the smart way to go. But no, they love, we love the birthdays. Rosemary, if there's anyone listening who didn't get to do the educational stuff that they wanted and kind of had dreams and that necessarily haven't followed and now think they're too past it or they can't, what would you say to those people? Uh, there's no such thing as being too old. You can do anything at any age and don't listen to other people. If it's something you want to do, then go for it. If it's something that you really want to do, you'll find a way to make it work. No matter what, you know, there is a way. There's always a way to do what you want to do. And it's just find that way for you. Finding your your stride in it. But don't let it go. Do you really, like your choices are, do it now or die regretting it. Like, which is worse? You can't go back in time and make yourself younger. Trust me, if I could, I would. Mm. But you can't. So all you have, you have to live for the now. 
If this is something you want to do now, then find a way to. If you're interested in medicine, there are loads of inspiration mature students that are going to medicine every year, 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s. And we're all out there. We'd all love to support anyone that wants to do it. Mm. Like if I can do it, really anyone can. And it's just finding the way in for you. And don't listen to other people because you will get the negative remarks. Like I had, uh, oh, taking the place from a leaving cert student. I didn't take a place from anyone. I went the mature entry pathway. I worked hard for my place. You know, I did. it's not some kind of backdoor route. And don't let people make your experience less. Like, oh, you got on the mature entry route, so that's not the same as the leaving cert. It's not as good. It is as good. Mm. You know, you're going to end up with the same qualification at the end and you work for your place, you deserve it. And like, celebrate the successes and learn from the, f- not the failures, I don't want to say failures, that's the wrong word. Learn from the times it doesn't work out. And just keep going, no matter what, keep going and you will get there. Can I talk a little bit about class as well? Because I'm thinking you're probably going to be one of the few people in that course and I might be making an assumption myself with a lovely Dublin accent coming from where you come from and that working class background. Mm-hmm. Does that feel daunting at all or are you very much... No, I think as a younger person it would have, but as me now, I'm very confident in myself. I'm there to contribute what I have to contribute. What I bring to the table is life experience and a, just a passion for medicine, a passion for supporting people and for being that patient advocate for support my colleagues and fellow students as well I know I have a lot to offer and I know I'm going to graduate at the end of the six years like you know I know I'm going to get there so it doesn't feel at all actually it feels like I'm representing people who didn't get to do all them years ago who grew up like me not being exposed to third level education and thinking oh I'll just go and work or whatever yeah I think I'm representing those people and maybe I might be inspiring someone to say okay I want to do what it might not be medicine it might be something else but I'm inspiring them to go and do what they want to do hopefully so I'm very proud to be a mature student representative and yeah, and that's why I chose to share my story. I knew I'd get the odd negative bit, but I wanted people to see you don't have to fit in a box. You don't have to have a certain accent or look a certain way to be a medical student or be a student. You can be from any background and you can do anything you want. If it's what you want to do, go for it. Don't let your dream die with you. Just okay. go for it. Rosemary, thank you so oh, much. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> You're absolutely brilliant. Um, I think you should write several books. First of all, your life story. Second of all, a parenting book, because I think you could tell us all a few things as well. <laughs> and um, I just look forward to talking to you again, because I know I will sometime. And best of luck with everything. And thanks so much for having me. It's an honour to have met you and to be here today. Delighted. That was Rosemary Murphy there and we'll be following her journey in medicine and bringing you updates about how she's getting on. What an incredible woman. I enjoyed that so much and I hope you did too. And if you did enjoy it, uh, please leave us a review or subscribe to the podcast. It really makes a difference to us. The podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan and by me, Roisin Ingle, with JJ Vernon on sound. You can talk to us on social at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. That's it from me. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.